today I am joined by Neil Curtis, who I met at Cliff Lakes. I meet a lot of people at my local lake, and this one sticks out to me because Neil approached me and said, actually, I can't remember your exact words, Neil, but in my head, you came up to me and said, you're a coach, I need some help. Um, Fished out this piece of paper with these lake ideas on it and said I want to swim the width of these three lakes which was Lomond, Derwentwater and Bala and I want to do it three peak style and I want to do it in 12 hours and I looked at him and went that's a really good idea I'll help you organize it on one condition that I can come to and after that what spirals I'd say it's actually a very good friendship which if you step back to it's probably a bit weird isn't it (laughs) Just really weird is uh, so your recollection of when we uh, first met was uh, was then I'd actually been bumping into you for about six months before and I just thought who's this woman that just keeps giving advice to everyone she, I never see a swim she just stands at the side of a, a lake and just says go and do this and go and do that and the odd person comes up to her and asks for some advice and I just thought that you were just someone who got no friends and hung around lakes and Thanks. That was pretty, that was pretty right, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah so at the time I just um, I did my first swim. I've been training to go and swim across Alcatraz from Alcatraz Island to uh, San Francisco. So looking back at it, I had my first swim in the middle of May 2018, and two years before that, I'd been at work late at night and I was approaching my 50th birthday and I thought oh I've got to go and do something for my 50th birthday wouldn't that be clever and I found myself on the London Marathon website and thought I'd better apply for that (laughs) and I got this message back that said applications for the London Marathon closed half an hour ago and I was the most relieved person in the world because I had no intention of running the London Marathon no desire to want to run the London Marathon it just seemed the sort of thing a daft bloke ought to do when he's approaching his 50th birthday you need to have the desire to do it though like i've it done a couple of marathons yeah. and i did i didn't didn't I first did a marathon because i'd got a bit fat and i needed the motivation to lose some weight i got the fat bit i'd i got two teenage boys i'd taken them everywhere to every sporting event they'd ever wanted to do but while i was there taking them i wasn't doing anything for myself and i was realizing that as I was standing next to a football pitch or a rugby pitch, actually, backs of my legs hurt or my back hurt. And it's because, okay, I wasn't massively overweight, but I was probably carrying a couple of stone too many, like a lot of middle-aged blokes. So mm. I, I then went home that night and I just saw the guys from League of Their Own wanting, uh, they were trying to swim Alcatraz. And I looked and went, I want to do that. And then you realise about Alcatraz and realise that it shouldn't be swum and all the rest of it. And uh, so I saw it, May 2016, that's when I decided to do it. And um, it took me about 18 months to then get very drunk. And I told all my mates, (laughs) I'm going to swim from Alcatraz. And then by then, it was out the bag. So looking at my, my notes here, I then went to a pool in January 2018 Mm-hmm. seven o'clock in the morning with all the very very old blokes all the you know the ones that uh, go very very slowly in the pool and go in the fast lane those blokes so i got changed five past seven by 11 minutes past seven i was in the shower i'd finished i'd swam six minutes all the old blokes had swam past me and i ached for days six minutes six minutes first swim I know 16-year-old boys that last longer than that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Six minutes. I went from there. Work was tough. I I was going to all sorts of reorganisation of business. And I kept going back and kept going back. And I was embarrassed. I'd done club swimming as a kid, like a lot of kids. Mm. There I am at 50 and six minutes. Blowing out your ass. I was. Now, I was stupid because I got in the pool and swam as fast as I could and thought I could just go and swim and swim and swim. If I'd just done a couple of lengths out of breather, a couple of lengths out of breather, it would have been better. But six minutes, that's it. Kept going back. And then uh, I went and 
did my first swim in the middle of May in a wetsuit and I did just over a kilometre. So you've gone from six minutes in January to a kilometre in May. That's, yeah. that's good improvement. How did, what were you doing in the pool to go from six minutes to just a kilometre? Just kept going back. No training, no nothing. You know I got the dodgiest stroke in that time. And yeah, and I've got two concerns. Was I going to put my fingers through the wetsuit? What was going to happen? I did a lot of reading, so I, I learned that you have to, <laughs> it's different in a lake, and I learned that you have to go and do this thing called finding your way or spotting or whatever it's called. And uh, oh, I, I, yeah, yeah, it's sighting, that's right. Yeah, but I, I sort of worked that out, and it's different. And I was okay-ish at that, but God, the number of triathletes that just kept swimming past me, I'm like, no, this is fine, and I loved it. So as I came out, there were two people that um, I remember from the day. There was this lady who was still at the side giving everyone advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, we kept going up to her. And then there was the maddest, maddest lady that everyone just called Bird, who ran the place. And she was magnetic. She knew everyone's name. She just kept, and it, a lot of the time, people kept going back just because of the atmosphere she created. You realize that actually, you're part of something and you're part of a group and you belong. And that was my belonging. It wasn't training for a London marathon. You know, there's different groups of different people are happy. But for me, suddenly I found somewhere that was a giggle. Then six months later, I was in San Francisco on a boat, jumping off it and swam from uh, Alcatraz to San Francisco I've just looked now, two and a half kilometres, and it's the tides. The tides are the most amazing things. They pull you one way, they pull you the other way. You aim at 10 o'clock on a clock, and it pulls you into one o'clock. I'd raised two and a half thousand pounds of charity for a local cancer hospital. Those things weren't relevant, actually. Yeah, the two and a half thousand pounds for a cancer ward was really important, and my mum's on chemo, and that was important to me. That's where she's been treated. But wow, it was years since I'd achieved anything. Achieved anything for me, for sporting, and that was it. So my recollections, a week before I went to San Francisco, I decided I'd go and talk to the moody bird at the side of the, uh, the lake and go and say, I've never been in water less than 14 degrees. What do I do? And she was really helpful. And she gave me some advice. And then I found out her name was Caroline. Yeah, thanks. I'm, mo- I'm not moody. <laughs> yeah, but you only, Caroline, why would you have spoken to an old fart like me uh, as I came out of the water blowing and blowing and blowing? Of course we'd never spoken. I speak to everybody. Well, maybe I was the moody one. And maybe it's because I was in a wetsuit that you just thought, who's he? Why would I want to speak to him? Everyone has to start somewhere. I know I do often wetsuit bash, but they do have a place. They, they have a place at, um, at very much grassroots and beginner level, giving people the, the confidence to go and start something, particularly if they haven't gone and booked onto a, a one-to-one session or a group introductory session. Um, but also, I'm assuming that your Alcatraz swim was, was it wetsuit mandatory? No, it wasn't because I jumped on the boat and there was a... Uh a 13-year-old girl just in a swimsuit and uh, there were lots of middle-aged people there swimming. There was one with a shark detector. He was going to get rid of the sharks and uh, this, that and the other. And then there was just this 13-year-old girl in a uh, swimsuit. I tell you what, I overtook her with 200 metres to go. I'm not going to say anything about your added buoyancy and efficiency, but well done. Uh, fair play. Uh, really, really good achievement. It's on my bucket list. I think we've been chatting actually about um, when you came to speak to me about Alcatraz because I helped coach Blind Dave Healy to swim the Alcatraz triathlon. So we'd done, um, he's completely blind and he um, he swims with a, a tether and a guide. So we'd been having a good chat with, with Dave about the tides and I'd done a bit of research actually in it with just to see how they tether each other and they were incredible, I've succeeded as well and I'd like to swim around there. I've been looking well, we've gone to a bit about swimming some beautiful swims. Alcatraz has got an aura. It's mm. the place has got an aura, the, the prison's got an aura and I am amazed with a blind person being able to do it because the fully sighted person 
can see where they're going and accept they're being pulled from side to side. But if you're, if you're blind, you've just got to that trust that you must put in the person you're tethered to is amazing and you've just got to go. And the events that Dave, Dave Healy's done are, are phenomenal. He's, he's actually written a book about it. Um, and it's a really fantastic read if anyone's not read it. He, um, he's done seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. He's done Marathon de Sable. He's done Land's End to John O'Groats on a tandem. Every morning he ran a marathon. And then he, he's done The Great Wall of China. Book's fascinating. I've got a copy if you want to borrow it. And, and you can't seal it because he's written a very inappropriate comment on the, 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 the front page. So Fantastic. no stealing it. But... It's a really, really good read. My brain read it in his Yamian voice too. He's a big bag. Uh, so what was amazing for me was I was stood in San Francisco and I was just about to get on the boat to swim in a very American there playing the Rocky music and everyone's, you know, it's about 30, 40 people getting on the boat and very American way of building us all up. And already... I, I knew I was going to f complete it. I knew it was going to be tough. It was going to be tough, but I just knew I was going to... And all the way through my mind, I knew that the minute I got out, people would say, what are you going to do next? Mm. And I stood there, and I remember now, I can, I've got, got my eyes closed, I can picture exactly where I was, and I suddenly thought, I wonder how long the lakes are in England? And that's when I had my three lakes idea. Mm. And then... Um, did swim and got back to the UK and within a week I'd started researching oh the lakes in England are quite long and I've only just swum a couple of kilometers a bit too long for me and then I suddenly looked at the width of the lakes mm. and then contacted a mate and said you've done a bit of swimming are you interested and he suddenly went yeah and he came up within an hour of the best route across Loch Lomond Mm. it was a and fantastic route that was it was it was the most beautiful route and uh, it was supposed to be eight kilometers but our navigation wasn't the best so it ended up with nine kilometers there was absolutely nothing wrong with our navigation because i cited that like a pro but i have to say you were swimming with the kayakers and i was swimming with the boys so and your problem was rather than trusting yourself you then followed uh, uh, one of our other friends, and he decided to go on a bit of a dog leg and get a bit lost and just go a bit longer. But the reality was, we came up with the idea, and it just became the most obvious thing to go and do. So let's go and swim across Loch Lomond, eight kilometres. Let's go and swim across uh, Lake Derwent, two kilometres, and then Lake Bala, uh, two kilometres again. In fact, we were going to do the length of Lake Bala, weren't we? But uh, yeah. From memory, what happened, I then got back and went, I've got this idea. And then we started chatting and uh, you went, yes, but I've got this little swim in Russia to do before that. And so I had no idea about you. I had no idea that you could swim. Because <laughs> I'd never seen you swim. You'd always been to the side of a lake. So then it's like, oh, okay, you're off to Russia. Yeah, go and have a good holiday. What are you doing? Are you going to go around the sites? And you went, no, I'm gonna go and swim in Russia and it's gonna be mad and uh, and what was really interesting was how two months before that I'd been the most nervous person in the world and then I could look in your eyes and as you started talking about Russia I recognized the same fear yeah and nervous <laughs> you were well quite quite rightly swimming in Russia is at naught degrees isn't the most sensible to thing to do, let alone I'll go and do a kilometre. We sat, we caught up one day, didn't we? We had a beer. A fish and went, we did have a fish finger sandwich. Scared. You were. And there was me who had just done one swim and uh, nine months before had just managed six minutes in a pool and there uh, was blown out my backside and all the rest of it. Going to, you'll be all right and get your chimp off your shoulder and get yeah. rid of it. I needed and to hear that. Because I think the experiences that I had in the past with swimming really knocked my confidence. And I know that actually now, look, looking back and reflecting, I've got a lot of knowledge on 
certain aspects of swimming but to me it was something that I'd never done it was pushing me out my comfort zone and and I don't necessarily get that so much in swimming anymore because I've I've done I've got quite a big swimming CV so it was the next obvious step but it was a step that was so much further than the last challenge I'd had so the challenge before that was doing my eye smile and what people what people don't realize about an eye smile is that there's less people who has ever done an eye smile than climb Everest in a year. So there's not actually that many people who've done it. I was a 260th person to swim an eye smile. It's not something that, that you can just go and do. It, it takes a lot of preparation and acclimatization and, and training on your body. And I didn't think that I was ready for that when I went to go and do an eye smile. I'd I thought I'm going to give myself three seasons to try an ice K. I did my ice K in the, the, the ice champs in, in March, 2018. And Kate Steeles, who is the ice GB chair, an incredibly experienced ice swimmer who's done, she's done an ice zero. She's an incredibly accomplished ice swimmer said to me, I think you're ready to go and do, do an ice mile. And, and if you can do all these criterias, you'll be eligible to be considered to go to Russia. And it was, that was something I really wanted to do. I wanted to push myself, but my God, I was, I was scared for my ice mark. I didn't think that I was ready, but Kate's belief in me, um, she believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And that really helped me to go and do that ice mile under supervision. So I went for a slot with Swim Your Swim in Doncaster because they have, lots of experience with taking people out safely they've got everything in hand and it was the easiest swim that I've ever had to do I turned up got in swam and I was looked after I was dressed because I was so cold I couldn't dress myself Dobby dressed me looked after me recovered recovered well but then the next step for me was the the ice k and honestly I've never been so nervous in my life and I really needed to hear from you that conversation. It was, you'd met me, what, how long before? Quite recently before, but you could see in me something, the feeling that you'd had prior to yours. And I, I think that's something that's, that's highly relatable, whatever stage you are in your swimming journey, whether you're a beginner, yes, you're going to have nerves, but even people that have done it for 15, 16, 17 years, we still get nervous too. And God, I was terrified. I think it's quite interesting because uh, you get to lots of well-meaning friends who they, they you say, explain what you're doing, you say, I'm nervous. And their last answer to you is, you'll be all right. You'll be fine. You're like, how do you know? How do you know I'll be fine? How, what, I, I might be, but... No, just don't give me that glibness. I might not be fine, and it might be rubbish, and it might be tough, and uh, you don't want to hear that. No, it, and it might be painful. Well, it will be painful. You don't know what recovery you're going to have, particularly in ice swimming, and that's the part that scares me. I don't know how I'm going to be. I've, I've experienced every single type of recovery. I've had lovely ones, and I've had hell ones. And my friend bought me, after I did my first marathon, a poster... And it says, you have to forget your last marathon before you apply for a new one. That's the same for ice swimming. We have to do that season. The start of the season is always horrible. Then get over the season, have a lovely, nice, warm winter, um, summer, and then do the next one. I'm nervous every time we swim. <laughs> I know you are, but the number of times you visit a toilet before swimming is just its not natural, is it? <laughs> so when can I ask when did you do Russia? March 2019. It's funny because I think that's when just when you got back, I think that's when we had our one and only argument. So I got back from uh, yeah. Alcatraz and I also went away and uh, had a lovely Christmas in uh, Sydney, and then carried on coming back swimming because I just was loving it and I just got hooked. And I kept coming back in my lovely uh, orange armed uh, wetsuit and. I was loving that. I'd never been in cold water and it was getting colder and colder. It was quite cold that year. And I was staying longer and longer in the water. And then you said to me, 
if you want to carry on coming along, you've got to take that wetsuit off. And finally, I realized that the person who was talking to me probably was qualified to make that statement. So the next week I came along and had to leave my wetsuit at home. Mm-hmm. Because if I'd brought my safety blanket with me, I would have put it on. So you might want to explain why you'd quite strongly told me to take my wetsuit off. Um, firstly, because you can swim and you don't need the additional buoyancy. I told you to take it off because I knew you'd get more out of your swim if you took it off. Because for me, the importance of swimming outside is freedom and the sensation and feeling the water and feeling the cold. If you're putting on a couple of millimetres of, of neoprene, you, you're not getting the same kind of feelings as, as, as I do and of what I love. And I thought, I just thought you were missing out a little bit because you were enjoying it so much. And that was clear to see. Um, I thought that you, by you wearing your wetsuit, you were actually removing part of the, the enjoyment. Yeah, your analogy was all about uh, condoms from memory, Caroline. That, you didn't quite use, you weren't quite as polite as you've just been then as explaining it to me. Yeah, it's like an all-body condom. Can't feel a thing. Why would you put it on? Get a toe float. Mm. It's a different feeling on your body as you get into the water, and it's uh, a different feeling throughout the swim. And, you know, I've spent time with you now, and now I realise how... It was dangerous staying in the water with a wetsuit for the length of time. Because mm. I was getting really happy because I was obviously staying in longer than all these experienced people who hadn't got wetsuits. Well, duh, of course I was staying in longer. Because you couldn't feel that you were cold. And that's and that's the issue. I, I've The only time I've ever pulled anybody out of the lake in, in winter swimming with hypothermia is in a wetsuit because they didn't actually realize they were cold and they've got gloves, socks, hat on, neoprene. So they couldn't feel they were cold. And it wasn't until they got out and they realized that they were cold. Then that's when all hell broke loose because we had to try and get a hypothermic swimmer out of a wetsuit that had stuck to them. And you know what? I think they might not even have been wearing trunks. I think it was, and, and it was really, it was so difficult to get them out, which, is why I've always got a pair of scissors on hand at the lake. So I say to swimmers that in the winter, if you are going to be wearing a wetsuit, be prepared. If you get hypothermic and I can't get you out, I'm cutting that off. Because that's the only way I can get you out that quick enough. If you've got a swimsuit on, that's dead easy. It's just one tug and it's off. But if if you're in a wetsuit that's stuck to you, you're absolutely you're screwed, aren't you? And so are the people helping you. You're absolutely right at the time. It's difficult to understand because I was getting up to a reasonable amount of time in the water with a wetsuit on in the cold, and mm-hmm. suddenly you realise that uh, you can only do a fraction of that time. Now you've practised for a bit, you're back up to that level. But it's also about goal setting, isn't it? So what you've had to do, if, if your goal has been, I want to do another couple of minutes, another couple of minutes, another couple of minutes in a wetsuit, and then suddenly you've gone to a third of that, it's about resetting your goal. And it does take time to realise that what you're achieving. And it, but it's hard work. But it's very rewarding. It's different. It's rewarding in a different way. What I would say about wetsuits is, number one, there's nothing wrong with them. For many, no. many people, they are enjoying swimming with a wetsuit and would never be able to do it without. And, uh, and also, you've thrown me a couple of times when I've known them my ability without a wetsuit might be a bit waning and I've just popped a wetsuit on to get my extra buoyancy. I'm faster with it uh, and, uh, and it's a little bit safer. So there's nothing wrong with still popping a wetsuit on and it's just about knowing your own limits, which is basically what swimming is. It is a dangerous sport and this is a hobby and it should be fun. It's got to be fun because otherwise you might as well go pack up and go and do something else. There's two points there that I'm going to touch on now. One, I fully agree with you. And I know that I do wetsuit bash occasionally and it's from a safety point of view. But I do always say to people, if you hate it, put it back on. It's your swim. Do what you enjoy. And secondly, it is a hobby. And I stopped swimming the first time round 
because I started to resent it. I did not want to get up in the morning. I did not want to go swimming because I hated it. It's taken me time to actually think, step back and heal myself to be able to accept swimming again. And I'm now in that same boat as you and I love it. And I don't know how my life would be without it. And, and in the first lockdown, right at the start, I was struggling because I couldn't swim. And I missed going to my master's club. I missed having being swimming at the lake, but I'm really fortunate to have the skills and the ability to have been able to swim through that first lockdown within the rules. And I don't advocate people doing things like swimming on their own, but if you have the skills to swim on your own and you have somebody watching you on the side, then by all means do it and you believe in your own in your own ability level safety i think it's safety is a massive thing you know it's we, well we were we were lucky we, we crossed lock lomond in a september day that was one of the most glorious days of last year the day before we weren't able to s swim in lock lomond it was dangerous yeah uh, a couple of weeks before that you'd had to bail out on a big swim because it was just too dangerous it was choppy and then we got to Lot Lomond on the, the morning and it was flat. But the key thing for me is we prepared. We met some kayakers who we'd never met. We'd only exchanged emails with them. And I just remember this briefing at about six o'clock in the morning. They said, we are good kayakers. We understand what we are doing. We explained our abilities as swimmers. And there was this trust in other humans that you'd never met where we put our lives in their hands if we needed. And this was a very straightforward brief. Our strongest swimmers are these people. Our weakest swimmers are these. How do you do the kayak? And one guy said, well, I understand not Lomond. I'm a better kayaker. And we just, between us did it. And that safety is just so key. And it worries me this year when we're lucky, we've got a sport that's growing. Outdoor swimming is many, many more people are finding it as a fantastic way of spending their time. Mm -hmm. unfortunately more fatalities this year than we've had in other years and we've just got to get this right balance between fun and stupidity there will be accidents and they're dreadful things but we've just got to just all have a look at ourselves and work out how we're doing this and and also people be not look at some swims that people are doing and say and try and emulate them it's like i've been doing some swims over the summer which are within my swimming ability and knowledge. I would feel awful if somebody looked at that swim that I've done, tried to replicate it and put themselves in danger. I think people need to step back, consider their limitations and always swim to the weakest person of the group as well. We, we did a swim in, in the summer, Neil and I, with a group of friends. There was me and John Meyer who were, were swimming together and then there was Neil and John Coe and we'd split the group haven't we Neil so we, we kind of knew that you were the same speed as John and I was the same speed as John and, and we could swim together I'd spoken to Neil about it and it, I it was pushing you your limits you'd done the width of Lomond with, with John and I and and um, this was downstream however it was downstream into a headwind which it wasn't something that I'd envisioned so I was swimming along with John quite aware that of the fact that these were really difficult conditions to swim in i knew you were safe swimming with with john Coe, and i knew that that john has an incredible amount of experience he's also an ice smiler and done some really really long swims and you're a similar speed so i knew you're in good hands but i was still swimming with john feeling really bad that you'd had to do the conditions that we were in because i knew that you'd not experienced them before and i hadn't actually had a chat with you about them before we got in and swimming into a headwind even with going downstream is hard it's basically like swimming 8k in a lake and I said to you oh it's fine it's 8k downstream it feels like five which on a good day it does feel like five so when we got to the end and me and me and John had swim down I was really scared so we drove up to the bridge that was part way on on the route and I knew that was about a mile to get get home and we went and asked some guys walking a dog have you seen two men in the uh, in the river swimming and one of them thankfully had taken a picture of you because he thought that you were both completely mad in a river swimming at dusk which we were and I felt really bad but then you came out 
said that you hated me and then we had an incredible time at, at John Myatt's cousins with his uncle with the most unbelievable scran we've ever had and we had a really good time but during the swim I felt bad for putting you in that situation because I forget sometimes my skill level compared to others. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I think you felt a lot worse than actually, you know, I, I might not be as experienced as the others, but you, I've done a quick assessment myself thing where I, what's my worst case scenario in the whole of this? I go to the bank, I get out, it's a warm evening, I get out. Next thing, stop moaning about it, just keep putting your arm over and keep going and keep going. But it would be very, very easy to get carried away and just jump in. You know, we have seen the results this year and, uh, People aren't with us anymore who should be with us. Stuff happens. And unfortunately, the water will always win. Yeah. And this is still fun. We should be having fun. I, I'm loving it. I like that, that the water will always win. Because I've had situations where I've had to bail, bail out this summer because the water was winning. And it's having the humility to step back and, and say, I'm not winning. I need to get out. And... It's something to learn. And honestly, I'm proud of myself for knowing when to stop. And I'm proud of you as well for doing that swim because it was really hard. Yeah, and also, look, the water will be there the next day. Yeah. It's not going away. It might be drought, it might be difficult, it might be whatever, but the water will still be there. We've been so lucky this year that the swims we've had have just been magical. Sun coming up, sun going down. I'm thinking of one morning where we were swimming and the mist was just coming up off the River Avon and we just stopped. It's so easy sometimes just to plough on. I've got to do this time. I've got to do this distance. And we both just sort of lay on our backs having a look at the, the mist rising off the Avon as the sun was coming out. And then the heron comes over and all the rest of it. And you look at it and go, this is why I've got this as a hobby. This is fun. This is the best thing ever. And it's those swims that you remember. It's not the swims where you've got your head down like that one. That swim was absolutely beautiful because you were coming up to the weir and I was already there and I was just saying, Neil, Neil, take your goggles off. Take your goggles off. It's amazing. They're the swims that you remember. Like the, the standout swims for me in my life was I swam with, with um, my flatmate Dan and my friend Dave Budd. Um, Dave's a diver. Dan's a swimmer. I, I met Dan very randomly round a house and then re-met him through swimming. So everything comes, comes full circle. I met Dave through swimming as well. Um, and we were swimming down the Avon and a kingfisher flew over the top and we just all stopped and head, head up breaststrokes up to it. And it was just sat on a, on a tree and it was the loveliest summer's evening. And we all swam down and had a beer after, but it was just absolutely beautiful. And you'd never see stuff like that. It's, if you think about it, the only other animals in the world that see that level are ducks. It's such a privilege to be in, in a river. Ducks and swans, they're the only thing that experience what you experienced as a swimmer. And it's magical. And now, on top of that, you said, you know, we're both goal-led. So it's like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And, you know, we were lucky enough to go to the Scilly Islands this year and to swim around the main island. And that was four legs of nearly four kilometers each leg and how beautiful was that as a swim it was tough if you get the opportunity to go to the silly islands and swim and just make your own swims up or go and find some guides on the island there's plenty of them and they're really good that silly 360 swim i'm gonna i'm gonna go with this it's probably in my top five of swims that i've done so there were four stages and every single stage was completely different. Like the first stage, it was very calm. It was beautiful. It was pure white sands. And we got out on a, a beautiful beach, which is like being in the Caribbean. It was really warm as well. Then the next stage was a bit more rocky and it was going into another cove and, and you finish the swim swimming into a cove. And then the third stage, that was a bum hole, wasn't it? It was hard. That was... I found that hard. It was such a slog. The waves were battering us. I entered this swim to get over my fear of waves, but this pushed me. It pushed my level of um, fear and tolerance to, to waves. And there were lots of little spits of stingy jellyfish. And 
and that was a really tough slog. Um, I got out and I had to eat quite a bit to sort myself out. And then the last bit into the harbour at the end, the first bit coming out was a slog. And then it was just incredible because the sun started coming down. But I love the swim because every single stage was different. The medals are beautiful. The people running the event were just so lovely, warm and friendly. And they got it down to a T. The organisation was brilliant. Um, but the only thing that I do have to say was I was very disappointed that they didn't recognise skin swimmers. Personally, it was a swim where you come out of the water and you go, I swam that. Speaking to the organisers, I think they do. They are impressed with skin swimmers. They, it's interesting, we're going back before talking about hypothermia. They said that they've never had people in the past have problems who were skin swimmers. It's always the ones who are wearing the wetsuits, even on that swim. Have, yeah. uh, not realised how cold they were. And what I was seeing on that swim was people getting cold because they were wearing rash vests underneath their wetsuits. And whilst people think layering is great, the purpose of a wetsuit is to trap water between your skin and your and your wetsuit, particularly in a swimming one. If you put a layer of material on it, all that's going to do is suck the cold out of you. And and I've seen people in winter do that and get cold. I know why people wear them so they don't get chafing and that kind of thing but a lot of people were relying on that as extra heat but it was actually making them colder um yeah i think also as a skin swimmer you're used to carrying a bag of warm clothes around with you and therefore you're used to getting warm and you're used to recovering you're used to this it's just a different feeling but we were also so lucky that we then went and stayed for another four or five days on Mm -hmm. silly and just went to the islands and each island was a different swim different feeling, different, uh, just everything. It was phenomenal. You know what? It's probably one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And I've swum in some incredible places. I've swum in the variety of the coastline in such a small place and, and the different things you can experience. And the fact that the water was cold, I liked that. The variety of experience you've got and the organisation, I'm going to go, it's a 9.5 out of 10 for me because... Yeah. I don't give tens. Antarctica is a dream of mine. That I, I feel that would be my ten. Brilliant swim. I, I learned a lot out of that because you know I keep forgetting. I've still only been doing this a couple of years, and I ended up with sun cream in my goggles on that hard stage three and couldn't couldn't see. I so I swam four kilometres in harsh water, and you learn so much because hindsight's great. You, you learn that just stop. It's only going to take you a second to properly clean your goggles, get some some cleaner in your toe float. Don't panic. Don't keep soldiering on. Just clearly think through what can I do. That was the be- what I should have done. Now hindsight's great. I came out the water having had an epic swim, but I'm better for it. And, and you've learned, and that's and everybody has to experience that kind of thing. Like I did the the Thames Marathon swim a few years ago advertise the event as having these rest breaks they, they provide everything for you it's a really good swim actually I'd, I'd put it on your bucket list but get in early because the skins places sell out really quick and um, but what i hadn't appreciated was that they wouldn't have stuff like goggle anti-fog spray on the they got everything else they thought of everything they've got vaseline they've got drinks they've got electrolytes but i couldn't see and ever since then i've carried in my toe float when i do swims goggle anti-fog spray because as somebody who had really poor vision when they were younger and I've had laser eye surgery twice in, in the last decade uh, to try and f- fix my poor vision. And I used to swim in contact lenses and normal swimming goggles. So lack of sight to me is quite a big thing because I, I've, I've experienced it as my everyday. Having swum competitive swimming in open water, which is very brutal sometimes and being having my goggles knocked off and, and losing contact lenses. If people watch me swimming in, in a swimming gala, I'm very ritualistic when it comes to my eyes and my goggles. And I do certain things and, and put it on in an order. And because it's so important, I make sure that I'm prepared for that eventuality now. And it was only that swim that taught me. So where were my spare goggles on a 4K swim? Well, they were in my bag that was being transported around the Scilly Islands. Well, that's really good, Neil, because I made the naive assumption that I would need to change my goggles at the end of a session. Mm-hmm. Hadn't thought, might need to do something with goggles halfway round. And yeah. even the instructions said, take a spare pair of goggles. I'd taken a spare pair, but they were on a car going around the Silly Islands. You do, you learn all the time. And I think even in the cold water swimming, that's a lot of learning. 
And it's not just about the swimming. You learn that ability to just watch other people and see what they do. Mm. That's key. How do the people get dressed? How do they recover? How do they get out of the water? How do they get into the water? And just watching people and learning is key. You learn a lot about yourself by doing that as well. Like I've learned a lot from other people and things evolve, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, there we are talking about, I want to go and get a cotton uh, uh, thermal. Why? Because we've learned that uh, normal thermals are uh, uh, stick to your body and you can't get them on quickly. And therefore, it, as we evolve, we're going to know cotton's better. But it's a new sport. It's a young sport. And that's, that's why there's only a certain number of ice miners. And there will be a lot, lot more because it's a, we're in the infancy of this sport. And it's really exciting. It is. And for me as well, learning, learning to coach it by learning, doing it as well. But you're right. It, it is. It is a young sport. What ice swimming is. It's a massively growing sport um, in terms of the number of people who want to. Look, dry robes are one of the most popular items of clothing. And you can just see a lot online people saying, where can I get one? They're in short supply. And that's because it's becoming more and more popular. What are the alternatives? You're starting to see more alternative products come out because manufacturers obviously see there's a market there. It's, it's brilliant. And when I first got a dry robe, um, Paul introduced me to the dry robe and he was wearing them. He said, these are fantastic products. So let's say, actually, they are fantastic products and they were quite new to the market then. So I've got an original dry robe from years ago, which, and I've had it, what six years and it's still going strong it's a very good product i've got a charlie mcleod as well we were sponsored by charlie mcleod when we went to russia and all the great britain ice swimmers were very kindly given charlie mcleod robes too and they are also a very good product made in britain as well so we are leading the way for these type of products and a lot more are entering the market now there's bamboo ones smock smock this swimsy do them there's loads of different brands that are creating these products and i think people need to go and pick which one suits them suits their needs and suits their beliefs um the only thing i'm going to say is i wish i'd bought a long sleeve one yeah go and buy a long sleeve one if i look at when i went and jumped in a lake for the first time and then enjoyed it i'd never known that i would now be number one boring everyone in the office all about swimming. I only have one conversation now, which is swimming. I'm very dull. And I never knew about this thing called winter swimming. Now, you know, I'm fascinated by working out how to go and swim faster, longer in the cold is important to me. Many people, they just, uh, they want to go cold water swimming for very, very many different reasons. Uh, I've got my personal goals and I'm just loving seeing so many different people of different shapes, sizes, abilities, different backgrounds, all loving the cold water swimming. Mm -hmm. And, it, and that, there's definitely, for me, what's an attraction is a sense of belonging. And all these people where you don't even know two thirds of their names, they get down to their swimsuits and it, boy, does that even society up because you're all gonna go and jump in something that's very cold. You're all going to ha have experience together. And it doesn't matter whether you are the apprentice or a managing director, whether you're rich or poor, black or white, large or small, you going into that cold water, you're all having that same experience. And for me, I've just found this new love. It's hard. And there's a level for everybody as well. And that's what I like about it because you can be somebody that's just wanting to go and get in submerged your shoulders. You can be a bubble hatter. So head up breaststroke in your bubble hat. You could be like me and you who are, you're right, goal orientated and getting our heads down and plowing up and down. But I think it's also having that sense of actually today I, I, I want a breaststroke and I want to chat, which is what we do quite a lot as well. And it's a communal identity, isn't it? And swimwear makes you vulnerable. So you are at your most bare in your swimwear. 
And funnily enough, it's the, the I feel the most myself in life in my swimwear. Maybe because it's what I'm used to. You have to have the balls to get that naked in the first place to get into the water. Do you know what I mean? You have to strip yourself down to get in. And We've both been fortunate in the last few weeks and we've experienced a lovely lady who has decided she wants to do open water swimming and has come along when the water's cold and it's not the most pleasant in the Avon at the moment. And she's coming in. Now, she's lucky she's got experienced people with her. There's half a dozen of us swimming with her. And she has got some balls to suddenly come along. Mm. Then you see other people go to a lake, which is a differently controlled environment. And they've got that fear in their eyes. But the first thing they have to do is then take their clothes off uh, in front of strangers. Mm. And doing that, that takes, I think for me, that takes more than the physical jumping in the water. Deciding to take your clothes off has taken weeks of thought in front of people. And they also, they don't know that there are plenty of plus-size swimmers who in cold situations are very, very, very good. And never judge a book by its cover in the winter because sometimes you look at people and go, you don't look like an athlete, but my God, they've got the bioprene to get through some incredibly gnarly temperatures and come out and, and not shiver. But then I know lots of people who are slight who are the same. So for me, when I was going to Russia, I was weighing up, do I go fat or do I go fast? And when I say fat, I, I'm using my continuum there of larger for me. And I opted for slightly fatter, as Neil's putting a biscuit in his mouth. <laughs> um, I, I opted for slightly fatter. This season, I'm trying to see how I am a little bit thinner because I'm slightly differently proportioned than I was, was last year. My weights are in, is allocated in different places this year. I, I don't have that concern about taking my clothes off and standing on the side of the lake, but I know people that who, who would have. That's kind of where I was getting at with that, but I don't know if I've done that justice. I think so. And uh, it's one of those things that go and have a go, but again, don't do it with a group of people. Don't just go and jump in somewhere cold on your own or with a stranger. Go and learn about it and go and listen to experienced people. And well, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've got you as a friend, a coach and an experience. And I'm lucky that I've been introduced to some lovely, lovely experienced people who are good friends of yours. But then we're also lucky that we swim with someone in his 70s who's been swimming for years. Yes, he's funny. Yes, he's hilarious. But there's times when he just talks about swimming and that experience and anecdotes and have a think about this, have a think about that, that is just fantastic. And that it's just advice everywhere. It's getting the depth of knowledge as well. Like I've got a lot of experience, but I'm still learning and, and I'm going and seeking other people for advice on certain things because out of my knowledge, it's like we're, we've, we're planning an event next year, which I'm not going to mention at all because it's, it's still a secret. Um, yes. I do not have the knowledge for two of the swims that we're planning and we are going and getting knowledge, seeking the advice of a professional to help us. People need to step back a little bit and go and seek the advice of people, put their hands up and say, actually, I'm not experienced in, in this area. I would say just because someone is vocal on Facebook and appears to be knowledgeable on Facebook doesn't necessarily mean that they've done much swimming and you should take their advice. There are people, just go and do your own research on people who are giving advice on Facebook. There are plenty of very, very good people there who give really good advice. But there are also plenty of other people who will lead you astray. James Smith, the PT, and he's done a great video on this on, on Instagram about Facebook experts in inverted commas and about doing your own research. And 
it's going and, and gaining information from lots of different sources and a lot of different organizations out there that are doing broadly quite similar things but they've all got their own areas of expertise various different bodies and various pieces of research that you can draw upon and different platforms out there displaying the information so I, i'd suggest anyone um either listen to to podcasts go and research forums look at people's blogs because there are people who've done really incredible swims get a variety of different media and educate yourselves and go and get some some coaching and and you never know by going and joining a introductory session or by getting some coaching you might meet people that become really good friends of yours like look at me I had some grumpy old sod come up to me at the lake who uh, wanted a little bit of advice on something and he's ended up being a really good mate of mine so you, you never know what you're going to get out of it you're going to expand your network get great friends and have some fantastic opportunities because what I liked about you Neil is the fact that you've come to me with an idea and we've done it I can't tell you how many people come to me with ideas and say I want to do this but it never happens it just fizzles out and what I liked was that we got on with it we allocated different tasks to each people and we did it and we booked it and we did a trip and it was absolutely incredible we had the best weekend my friend Lars came over from Germany who's now a really good friend of, of yours you met John Myatt who is mad as a box of frogs and we met Evan and we had a cracking weekend and we were looked after incredibly by by your friends Tony and Sue who they I've never I've never known any organization and, and Donna and um, Mrs Curtis fantastic we could not have done that swim without all the people in the background supporting us we couldn't have done it without Donna Tony and Sue because they organized us like clockwork they'd got they'd they'd thought of everything they put out our towels over over a balcony so that we could see where we were swimming into better they carried our dry robes they carried our drink they drove us everywhere and they were so integral to our team it's not just about the people that swim it's about all the cogs underneath it it's all the people that are, are, are greasing the wheels and making the trip successful so research plan and gain incredible support yeah. By the way, is that kayaker still uh, texting you? He took a real shine to you, didn't he? Oh, he was... I couldn't understand him. I needed subtitles. He was so Scottish. He was fantastic. Lovely bloke. Um, no, I've not heard from him for a while. But I do need to um, to keep him in mind in case we ever go up on any adventures up, up there again. I'm like, sure he'll be there, Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to our adventure next year, which uh, we will talk about later on when we've got everything finalised, which we need to do. One thing, uh, a good piece of advice that you've given me amongst all this is open water's great. If you want to speed up, you do it in the pool. That's taught me a lot. And it's been interesting during lockdown where we haven't been able to go in pools and then going back where you can just take your time and try things and uh, to improve my stroke. I've got the worst front crawl right arm that the world's ever seen. Give yourself credit, it's much better. <laughs> it couldn't have got much worse, could it? It was just there as a, as a propeller to go over the top and wave uh, every, every other stroke. But it is amazing how if you're going to speed up and you need a fitness, mm. and the pool is the place to do it. It is. And what people forget about swimming, exactly the same principles as running and cycling apply. Why am I not getting any fitter? If you're not training any of your other systems, so you need to go and get in a pool. It's interesting because for years I hadn't done any activities. I've been dad's taxi. Tonight I'm taking my youngest son to hockey training. Ten minutes away is a swimming pool with an open swim session. And I don't have to sit at the side of the hockey pitch. I don't have to sit in a car. I don't have to do work. Why would I be doing work in the evening? So that was a bad habit. Sat in the car sending emails. Actually, for five quid tonight, I can go and have a swim. Finding time for our sport is possible. My mum used to do this. She 
I, I used to swim at 6.30 in the morning before school. And my mum would never watch me train because she was in the gym or she was out running. And everybody else's parents were sat there watching. But you know what? I did not mind at all because my mum's keeping herself sane and being intelligent with the time. She doesn't need to sit there and be bored in a really hot, stuffy swimming pool. She's out there going and getting her time in. And I've learned that. And I'm really glad that you're going and doing that as well, because it's you time. Family is important. And therefore, you just juggle it around it. And, uh, you know, yes, there's times when uh, uh, I'll get home and Donna will say to me, you've been doing a bit too much swimming. Have you spent some time with us? But actually, she's really good. You can just make time that doesn't affect the rest of the house. They're all sleeping at seven o'clock this morning. So I just nipped out, have a swim. It's not affecting anyone. Make, you can make the time. I used to split my day into three lots of eight hours, eight hours for work, eight hours for sleeping and eight hours for me. And I've had people say, oh, that's really selfish. Why are you not going and working more or sleeping more and that kind of stuff? It's like, because in order to be an effective person, I know I need eight hours of sleep working days what nine hours that's a big chunk of it but the rest of the time's time for me to to do me stuff in you have to make time to do what you enjoy either tag it on to the start of the day i've been swimming at 6 8 in the morning at swimming pool at the end of my road um and still getting to work on time and just getting up an hour earlier or and making it part of your routine and I've been very appreciative this year of the lockdown and not having to commute because I've been able to swim in the morning. I don't think, I don't think I've ever swum this much outside and I've loved every minute of it. We've been lucky this year. It's been, a, the weather's been good. Yeah. And therefore, you know, we've been able to do evening swims and so therefore you can include the family because you go and do an evening swim, take a picnic, have a glass of wine afterwards and just enjoy it. And there is that other side to it. I'm going to ask you, what three things do you recommend for people who are starting out open water swimming or are established open water swimmers? What three things can you not swim without? I've just written them down as I've been uh, uh, going through this. Definitely my anti-fog for goggles. And I know people say, oh, you can go and get a bit of shampoo and do this and do that. And just go and find something that keeps your goggles fog-free and whatever works for you, I don't go in the pool without sniffing my ulvas oil. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. I have it, it clears my nostrils, clears me, clears my head. So a good sniff of that just gets me going. And do you do that before you swim outside as well or just inside? Outside. And actually, in, now it's become a habit. I do it inside because it's my habit before I go into swim. I enjoy that. A bit of silences clears everything. Ooh, that's, Don't know why. that's a new one to me. Mm. Uh, and then the last one I found this year is a microfiber towel. Okay. I'm sick of getting home and I've just got this large wet towel and then you've got to dry it and all the rest of it. And also because in cold water, I found that a big towel doesn't matter because you can't rub yourself dry anyway because you've got no feeling and all the rest of it. Actually, just dabbing yourself with a microfiber towel dries you really quickly and it dries itself within a few minutes afterwards. I like that because I come home with a big hunk of wet towel. Mm. And you'd be no good though with a, micro, with a microfiber towel because I'm not sure it would uh, go around you as well for your dressing because you've got a weird way. I don't wear a bra. Ofs, uh, and therefore I don't use my towel to get dressed in the same way that uh, you do. That's my little thing I've got on this year. Always try that. I feel like that that's that's a really good tip because do you get when we're down by the side of the lake? Do you get changed into your dry robe? I only want to take my trunks off. So, but I've never seen you flash your bum anyway. Oh, I've got a cracker for you just as we finish. Um, Sorry. You've never seen me flash my bum, but actually I, I had a bad experience, didn't I, on the Silly Isles, where I just flashed the whole beach, not with my bum, but something else. <laughs> it went wrong, didn't it? It did a bit. That was quite funny. Um, <laughs> one, thing, one thing that is just going to tickle you, last week at, um, at the lake, one of the ladies asked me to take a picture of her when she was getting out, which I did. Sent all the pictures over wasn't until she sent it back to me, zoomed in, did I realise that there's a bare bum 
in the back of the picture. But it was just oh, absolutely cracked me up. So funny. <laughs> Lovely picture, this lady. Really beautiful picture. Bear bum in the background. Yeah, I've learned that with open water, open water swimming, there is quite a lot of nakedness, but it's actually, you've just got to park that because it's all about getting yourself dressed and no one notices. Yeah. And no one bothered. I have no dignity anymore. One thing, you lose your dignity, but in a good way. Yes. <laughs> On that note of bums, boobs, willies, nudity, thank you so much for joining me, Neil. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Is that how I'm going to be remembered? What? Those four words. Great. <laughs> now we say goodbye to this bum, Neil Curtis, and that's it. Well, yeah.